Please allow me to introduce Meg Patel, the co-founder and CEO of Build Zero, a construction and renovation company that focuses on reducing and reusing construction wastes to make the construction process more efficient. Build Zero is also providing DIY solar kits and permit designs to help more families to afford renewable electricity. This is a very special episode for me. I thought I would spend the entire hour speaking to Meg about renewable energy or solar or his startup journey. However, we had a very deep and almost spiritual conversation about the innate feeling and characteristics about human being. We ended up talking about the coping mechanisms that we used to deal with heartbreaks, how as a young kids who are finding purpose in life deal with self-doubt and the lack of worthiness. We talked about how Meg's grandfather had had a such huge impact on him through his belief in honesty and meditation. We also talked about our views on ego and how has that impacted our decisions that we make in life. And we also talked about the different types of happiness that we acquire from the simple act of kindness and the sense of accomplishment. Anyways, I learned a lot from Meg's experiences, and I believe you will too. Meg, very nice to meet you. Welcome you to the Idea Can't Wait podcast. Um, it's really happy to have you here. And、uh, why don't you give us a little introduction about yourself? Okay, so my name is Meg, and I'm a civil engineering student here at the University of Alberta, and I'm in my final year of my engineering degree. And、um, a little bit about myself is that you know I'm interested in construction and entrepreneurship、uh, from the from, from a very young age. I was always passionate about entrepreneurship, and、um, my first、uh, my first entrepreneurship uh, uh, project that I started was、uh, selling bracelets. I started selling bracelets when I was about、um, in my first year of university, or you know, a grade twelve summer. So that's when I、um, decided that I was going to grab an opportunity that I saw and start a brand and build a bracelet business. So I started a website.、Um, I started.、Um, I bought these bracelets from India, by the way, and they were、um, bracelets that were spiritual and they had a particular meaning to them, and.、Um, I personally have been always enjoying、uh, spirituality, yoga, and all the、uh, Eastern cultures, and I thought this was the perfect opportunity for bringing that passion into a product and、um, creating a brand about something that I could be passionate about. And so that's when I started、uh, a bracelet company, and it was called Ohm's Bracelet, and I still make bracelets for people. And、um, so. Started selling them on、uh, Snapchat. I started posting stories and told my friends that you know,、uh, and I was also you know, vlogging my journey、uh, in India when I was in the summer. When I was there in the summer, so I was vlogging my journey. I was showing everybody what the you know, sites were and the crazy, and I was just giving them the, the behind the scenes of what it was like to travel India. And、um, some of my friends got interested in these bracelets, and they said, "I want to buy some." Right, so that's when I started.、Uh, I'll buy a whole bunch of bracelets just for my friends, and、um, after that, I created an Instagram page where I started posting. Now we have about over a thousand followers, and we、uh, I grew that page for, for just by posting content and、um, positive content and things that are related to spirituality, mindfulness, and、um, so. And then after after a couple of years of selling bracelets and you know struggling to sell bracelets and. Um, things like that. I started finally kind of getting a hang of it, and、um, we started setting up shops,、uh, setting up our stations in、uh, physical like shops. So that's when I started kind of selling more. And now、um, that kind of I do that on the side, as well as I, I have another company called Build Zero, and this is this is、uh, a company I started in uh, uh, two years ago when I was. Uh, in my summer, and I saw another opportunity where I saw that my dad and my parents were actually looking for a contractor, and I thought, you know, because I'm so passionate about construction as well, and I can do construction work because I've been working in construction since high school, and I was、uh, passionate about woodworking and growing up as well. So I was, you know, always in the wood shop, trying to、uh, learn how to make、uh, new things out of wood, 
And so that passion kind of translated into creating another business, which was related to construction. And I started with uh, renovation. And this, this is, this is uh, uh, just in four months, I started doing the construction projects. And I did cool projects in just four months. And um, I started my business with one friend of mine. And, um, you know, we, we kind of uh, did all the work ourselves. And, you know, it was just it was really hard work with that because you're not sure how things are done, but you're figuring it out as you go. And plus, you don't have all the tools that professional contractors have, you know, uh, and, you know, you have to work with what you have. So uh, it, it was really painful and really hard to learn about uh, how, how to navigate through the challenges and the obstacles because construction is all about obstacles, unexpected, unseen obstacles that arise every single day and you have to face them over and over again. And sometimes, you know, you're not expecting some obstacles to take so long, but they do to overcome and that pushes the schedule far back and you have to navigate through that and you have to look at And there's a lot of, there's been lots and lots of sleepless nights that have worked just on these projects. And, you know, there's, um, I think that's the tough part about starting uh, something is just that you, when you're doing it, it's like you're not sure. You think you're over optimizing yourself and thinking this is going to be so easy. And when you start doing it, you realize that, oh my God, there's so many things I don't know how to do. And But you have to work at it. And the perseverance is where that's where it takes perseverance, right? So, and I'm sure yeah. I know you, you've had similar experiences like this as well. And uh, it's like that, these are the testing times when you have to show up when, when you're not doing it. But um, and that's what uh, kind of creates the grit and the, uh, the passion for what you're doing as well. Because it, you have to convince yourself that what you're doing is something that you want to do. And it's not that you're just doing it for, for the sake of money. It's because you actually want to build something. And um, so that's kind of my, my story about how I started these two businesses. Um, uh, a little bit more about that, uh, the second business is because I, I was also super passionate about sustainability in my uh, second, I think my second year was since I've been exposed to the sustainable, uh, sustainability related projects in my university. And I've been part of some of these projects and clubs in uh, my university that dealt with um, social issues and environmental issues. And um, so I started thinking towards how I can make the world, you know, better through my, my business. And thinking about that got me uh, learning more about uh, renewable energy and solar panels and solar systems. And that's where I decided to um, alert, uh, uh, that's where I decided to uh, do, uh, do a course in solar design, PV design. And I, I learned how to design solar systems, and that applies to construction now because you know I see construction and the future of building being um, renewable and healthy buildings because as of now our buildings are very inefficient and they you know they they're they're run on non-renewable resources like coal and things like that and that's why we have forty almost forty percent of our carbon emissions are coming from building and building related operations so. To solve that problem, I said, I want to, I want to create a business that will be uh, tackling these issues and uh, reducing carbon emissions for buildings. So me and uh, about seven other uh, university students of mine, and we kind of uh, got together and we started brainstorming on how to create a startup that will solve this. And that's when Build Zero started taking uh, form. And um, uh, we're, we're working on about two projects right now with solar uh, contracts, and um, yeah, that, that's a little bit about myself. That's great, man. <laughs> Thank you for you know giving me such a comprehensive um, story about you know how did you uh, get into entrepreneurship, starting from selling bristlets until now you're building Build Zero. I think the story is really inspiring, and um, I want to get into a little bit more. I'll, you mentioned that you parent. Um, had a problem with their construction project or something that sparked you uh, to create Bill Zero. Do you mind expanding a little bit more on that story? Yeah, absolutely. So they were actually hiring, they were looking to hire a contractor. And, you know, they've never dealt with these construction projects. And um, I knew a little bit about contracting and whatnot. And I saw this as an opportunity. 
that, you know, instead of like um, having my parents hire somebody else to do the work, why don't I convince them that I can do the work, you know? So I started doing that and it was not easy. Like I had to, I, I, started, I showed like, because they knew that I was really passionate about woodworking and they knew I was doing construction, but they didn't think I could do projects on my own, like contracts like that. Uh, so what what con- was the project specifically? What, what did you so have to build? I had to, I had to renovate subways. You know, subway restaurant. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've re- I've remodeled about four of the subway restaurants. Here oh, does your now. parents own like a subway restaurant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's interesting. Okay, yeah. wait. Are they allowed to renovate that? I thought it's like a standard, um, like a fuel and environment. No, we're allowed. So it's independent contractors. So the building owners will okay. hire an independent contractor to do the remodeling. So the designs and all the, the retrofit requirements are provided by the subway team and they have their own design team to do the designing and stuff. And then they just pass that on to the general contractor, whoever the general contractor may be for that particular owner. So ah. in, in that sense, that, that sense, I was allowed to do that work. Okay. And, um, and that I got started through that. So I started with a small project in the university food court um, that we had, and I, I learned basically everything that I had to in that small little uh, project. And then I applied the uh, same things over and over again to the other locations, the bigger locations, and things like that. Wow. What, what was the, uh, you mentioned it wasn't easy, of course, um, to, yeah. to reconstruct, to, to re-renovate the subway um, store. So what was some hard experiences or stories that you would say that, that is really memorable? Absolutely. So, you know, things like, um, <laughs> so I remember the first project and I was doing tiling, right? So tiling is, is, a, is a labor job, right? And you need two people that lease to tiling because like, um, let's say you want to cover the whole wall by, by a couple, in a couple of days, right? So first you have to tear down the old, uh, uh, the old wallpaper and you have to move all the equipment, which is super heavy. So you need to, you need to be able to do that. And, and that was like, that was like a starting point. And when, and also there's new equipment coming every day, right? So unloading all of the new equipment and things like that. There's nobody to do that for you. You have to do it on your own, right? So like that, this, these were things that were uh, a lot harder to do for one person. Typically when you have a team, it's really easy. But when you have to do it, you have to do it, right? So um, so I, I think those were really the challenging times when you had to step up and say, you know, yeah, if not me, right? So um, that was that. And then I think the tiling was just uh, the little most laborious uh, parts of the renovation was the tiling because those tiles are really heavy. Every box was like about 40 pounds. And, yeah. um, you know, you have to move like, uh, let's say, 50, 60 boxes of tiles. Every, like, you know, uh, moving it around is not that easy. Yeah. So, but, you know, you do that. Um, um, so... And I've been pampered and I've not done like super hard labor jobs before. So like this is like new to me, but um, so that was one of the channel challenges. And then uh, I think another challenge is one of, I really want to share this one is the second one um, that I, I thought it was like the, the second project that we were working on. We had a delivery of all the furniture, the new furnitures, because um, the renovations were also um, required replacing all the old furnitures with the new furniture. And so we had the delivery of uh, these new furniture. And man, I can tell you these hundred boxes of furniture in a <laughs> truck. And the guy comes to the, to the, to the front door and, he, um, and he's like, all right, who's going to unload this? And I'm, I'm thinking, man, I, you have to help me do this, right? Like there's no way I have to do this by myself. And I don't have guys yeah. to do it for you, right? So at that moment, I'm thinking, this is not why I started this business. But like time to time to you know uh, tie your shoelaces and get to work, right? So um, things like that is like when you realize that you you're not always in there for the glamour and the glam. It's, it's truly hard work and um, truly doing um, the worst one you have to in, in the yeah. for sure. But now you yeah. know now that we've got a little bit of revenue, I might be able to hire a guy, right, to help me. But initially, there's no no money to do that for, for right? People think that starting a business is like, you know, I'll hire this person, I'll hire that person. Where is the money? You don't have money to do that. 
So you have to be you have to be the person that begs the folk the things that you think you can hire people to do. So you have to be the person, right? Uh, you have to play these multiple roles. And I think I know those are some of the challenges I can tell you about for sure. That's great. And I think you you know, you started the construction and, and the labor project because of your passion. And you know, you, yeah. you already you said you mentioned you were starting to do the a lot of the construction works very early on. And I know it's hard work. So um, what did you really enjoy about, you know, doing those construction projects and labor? Because I would imagine um, a kid's, a, a, a Generation Z, what they would rather do is just sit at home and do computer work yeah. rather than go out there and actually make it. What was it that's, you know, interesting to you? Quite frankly, I think, sorry, Frank, I, don't, I didn't mean to bring your name in there, but frankly, I think I just, like, heartbroken and i was just looking for an avenue for me to channelize this energy that i had in me right this angst that that i had in me i I just wanted to do something for myself and prove to myself that you know i'm worthy because i was going through um i guess i don't want to talk about like uh, relationship things but like i was going through this bad relationship thing and i was like man i just need to channelize this out somewhere and i know a lot of guys will connect with me because um when you you know you you've heard about the the after blow up the after blow up you have after a breakup you know that's, that's <laughs> real and that's, that's really real it's like and and you need you need a source to kind of um, take everything out I, I thought this was just perfect because I was working tirelessly endlessly and I know it wasn't the healthiest thing to do for me but. It really almost healed me in a way, and it brought me so much confidence and inner belief in myself that I had lost. I thought, right? And I think that's what that's what I really enjoyed about the hard work, and I just found a really good meaning for myself. Hey, man, I I, uh, I resonate with you. Um, yeah, you know, this is a podcast where we can talk about anything. Honestly, um, yeah. I'll tell you. So I broke up with my um, ex girlfriend around uh, twenty twenty of um, September. It's been two years. And it's been difficult, man. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we had a great time, but um, during those time, I was I was looking for different ways to help myself forget about her. Like you said, yeah. your way is probably yeah. doing those hard construction work. And for me, it's sort of it's the same thing. Um, I, I think yeah. entrepreneurs are sort of workaholics. It, it's sort of an addiction where we, you know, just do work, and that's some, that's something that will help us forget and and uh, to focus, not focus too much on the um, on those parts. But uh, like yeah. you also mentioned, you're very spiritual. Um, your your bracelet is all, also a way to to you know Absolutely. help you channel the spirituality. So I want to learn more, you know, about that side. You know, what what was you know, if you don't mind letting me know, what was the spirituality and and how did you uh, approach that? Absolutely. So spirituality has been part of my life for a very long time. I think um, I've been in the Hindu religion my whole life. And I've been influenced by that um, religion for sure. And but particularly, I think my my grandfather he passed away uh, a few years back. Uh, he had the most influence on in my spiritual life because he was very himself, um, deeply spiritual person. And you know, he was um, uh, one of those you know yogis, and he was he was meditating. He was a lawyer, but he. He was, he was practicing law and everything, but he was a meditator, you know? Like, oh. um, even though he was a, he was in a professional life, and he was in his family life, but he was strict. He had certain things that he did not do, right? Like, he would not eat somewhere else that is not uh, familiar. He wouldn't go to other people's houses. And he, he was very restricted, and he was very um, within himself, and he was a meditator, and he would meditate all the time. And not just the simple meditation where you close your eyes, focus on breath. This is a meditation that goes deep within yourself and there's a deep silence within you. Um, and sitting in these spaces for hours, right? And I, I used to just walk around him and I feel this presence and this oh, wow. of deep meditation, right? So this like really had an impact on me when I was young as well as now when I'm growing up and still learning meditation. I practice meditation all the time and I try to deepen my practice every day. Um, and I think speaking breath work and things like that are also a great way to, to go deep into meditation. And so I think meditation is the cure for a lot of problems we have in the world today. And I think people um, should definitely 
just check out how much you can gain out of it. It's not what you can gain out of it, but what take what it takes away from you. Like it takes away so much of anxiety. It takes away so much of anger and certain so many things that you don't need to hold on to. Right. And so well, well, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so what was what was so powerful about your grandfather? What what did you feel different uh, from him than anyone else? Because I believe he practiced meditation very he, deeply. So what was something that that you can take away from him? I think he was very honest in everything. Like whenever, I think honesty is something that is a byproduct of meditating deeply. You mm. become a more honest person in in life, and because you become, you have that wisdom fall upon you. When you spend so much time in that samadhi space and that silence, that that space of um, defined oneness to the universe, it's it's something that that gives enlightenment and wisdom, and its wisdom kind of creates a person. It makes basic. I just I say that you know one meditation can change your life. I really, really? believe that. <laughs> I really believe that. Just one meditation, and that's how powerful it is. But you have to learn. You have to learn to go deep, you know. And um, that's the. I think that's why it's exciting to me. Is that it's just that you can totally deep as you can possibly imagine. And um, um, I think one thing I really learned from my grandfather is that the honesty that it brought within his life, you know, from meditation. I'm just. I think he was just like honest in general, right? And people like came to him for advice all the time because they knew this person will. They something that is not honest and truthful. Mm, interesting. So that's something I really pick away from them. Yeah, and then what? Do you mind sharing what was your uh, meditation journey like? Like, what did you start practicing, and what was your routine? Yeah. Anything that worked or didn't work for you? Absolutely. So I've always like I started off with doing guided meditations on YouTube. I would do a lot Same. of guided. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I still do, but I mean, guided meditation before you start. And you know, you you learn that you know you can um, tap into certain aspects of your physical body, and it's also coming to the present moment deeply, right? Because um, when we're kind of going through day to day, we cannot be in the present moment as deeply as possible. So the the, the power of meditation is that it brings you really deeply to the present moment. And I re- I learned that after a really long time because I was thinking you know it was more about relaxation and it's more about and relaxation does bring you to such a moment but um so i think the journal started is this interesting guided meditation where i learned to calm my mind and and i think meditation and um learning about spirituality and meditation you kind of go hand in hand because they're both kind of stemming from the same curiosity you'd love to learn about spiritual um you know tech and um you like to kind of dive into these books uh, that teach you about meditation so and also people's autobiographies that have been like yogis who've written autobiographies and their life experiences and things like that also inspire you. So uh, I think my journey started with, you know, Swami Vibenda, who's uh, a very profound and famous uh, person in the East for his meditation and also the West a little bit as well because he came over to Chicago and gave a presentation on, on uh, religion and it changed a lot of perspective about people, people's perspective about uh, religion and Hinduism in general. And so I am really, I was really deeply touched by Vivekananda and his capabilities with meditation and how he used to practice. Right? So, and he's written so many books and volumes that you, know, you can go anywhere uh, in learning about uh, meditation and meditation practices. So I think that's where I, you know, you know, not sleeping because I was so deeply uh, involved in this person's life and his story and his um, journey that that got me so inspired that I I didn't sleep for I think four days. Could just because oh. I was just so involved in the book, you know, like because at night was the only time I could read. Uh, right during the day, I had to go to school and go do stuff. Right, so, but then when I got home, I started reading and I started reading and. It took me four days to finish this book, but I just couldn't read because I was so influenced by the book. Um, and um, so what was the book name? I, Sorry, do you mind repeating it? Yeah, it's called the Complete Works of uh, Swami Vivekananda. It's uh, okay. Yeah, it, it 
it's something that, that's really possible. So, um, and you know what's crazy about that is also that this person is, is uh, been a part of my life before I even knew about him and someone still reading the book because my dad used to describe Vivekananda to me and he described this per- magnificent person with the perfect aura and um, deep practice and, and I would just be inspired by listening about him from my dad and that's where it started wow. I was like oh wow right and let me learn more about him and then when I started learning more about him they just had a profound influence and not uh-huh. just me. I know. I know hundreds and millions of people have because you know he's a big personality um, in the in the East for sure. So um, I, I really recommend you read that book for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and that yeah, that's kind of the story. So I did, and I started practicing. I started practicing, man. I started going. Um, I go started going deep. My first vision, I think, when I started practicing was the was the vision of. Um, around my forehead I, I saw like a rising sun around my forehead that's my first meditation. Oh. yeah yeah no yeah, way yeah. so so when you're meditating you see the the sun rising on your forehead yeah i saw a sun rising on my forehead like it's beautiful orange light just rising up oh in my, my forehead like that it was a vision i had i don't know how it came about but that's when it started um and then i just felt wow this is something that's really profound and then I don't know if it was both just like light that I was seeing in my eyes or something, but I, it was something that I experienced. It was, it was, it's, not, it's not something that I can deny. It was there and I experienced it. So, um, mm. yeah. So then I started um, doing more meditation. And, and then after a while, you know, when you grow up and go through teens, and I started losing it as well. I didn't meditate at all for a couple of years. I don't know. Oh, but okay. yeah, I lost it. I was totally out of it. I was like, you know, I don't want. I'm not, I don't want anything to do with it. But then it comes back because you need it. When, mm. when the time comes, it's like, it's like, it's like you don't believe in something, but then when it, when the time comes when you need it, then you like, all right, I need to go back into it. I need it because you understand how much of a profound influence it can have on you, right? So even though you've lost touch with it for so long, you lose practice, but you can, you go back to it. You're so attracted back to it naturally. So, um, for, for now, I've been practicing for, I think, for a couple of years, for sure now. Um, what was and, the instance that you needed it? Um, I definitely, after that heartbreak, for sure, I was like, I was like, you know, I had a thought with these thoughts, like, these thoughts that, that have so much self-doubt within me, right? Like, I just, there's thoughts you have that are normal, natural, but then there's thoughts that are deeply self-doubtful like you have doubt mm. and you think you're not worthy of love worthy, worthy of love yeah. wantingness, and a lot of things and um it's also a lot of um i think you feel like you're freezing up you feel like you're not moving the way you should be moving it's kind of closing up a little bit because it's like a response you feel for, for not dealing with issues but you just freeze up. Like, you don't want to handle them. You just want to freeze up. So I started realizing why, like, I, I need to get out of the situation and just freezing up from everything. And and it's like, it's a trauma response that happens to, like, you know, like, you can, like, bug them. If, if you get to look at, like, a spider, like, you just, if you ever suddenly move in front of them, they just freeze, freeze up. Like, right? Like, you see bugs do that all the time. And I think we, as humans, also do that individually. It's like, you start freezing up about things that you don't want to um, uh, face. Um, and I, fe- I feel like meditation came back because I realized I needed to um, not feel frozen and start accepting and facing things. So I think I really introduced that when I, uh, when I after that heartbreak and I, when I was feeling like I couldn't feel that love and that, that self-belief and that self-confidence again. So I think that was one of those points. Nice. Were you able to get out of that trap, and how long did it take you? The trap. I don't know if I've ever been able to get out of the trap. I think it's like it's always been molding and shifting and changing, but I don't think it's getting out of it. It's like it's like an experience that you kind of have to take with your whole life. But um, I think 
I think it's just always the process. Like it's like you you always have to work at it. Like it's not like you you'll ever shut the door because you think it's oh okay I can handle it now I can close. But it does get easier over time for sure. Mm, did did you think? Because uh, I I recently listened to a um uh, episode from Shamath Palihapitiya. Um, he is a, a Waterloo graduate, and he's a founder uh, in social capital. He's done super amazing things. And one of the reason he he uh, mentioned, I thought it was very interesting, is because he had a very tough uh, childhood. Um, mm-hmm. He didn't really have uh, food on the table. Was their family was super poor, and he had to work at um, Burger King yeah. at the dirtiest and most unwelcoming time to earn a living. So he he and his dad was wasn't treating them well as well. So he was always mm-hmm. feeling unworthy. He was always mm-hmm. feeling that other people are better than him. So mm-hmm. the reason the reason why he got to the, this point of where he has is because that's what he said. He said, "I want to do something amazing. I want to do something that's extraordinary. That so that I could feel like anyone else." Yeah. So the reason he worked so hard and he's smart, obviously, but. He started this business. He helped, you know, Facebook to grow from hundred thousand to a billion users because he wanted to be the same as anyone else. And I, I, I would, I would admit, I, I, I agree with him because, you know, for me, uh, I, the reason I started, um, you know, my old company and doing this podcast is I want to feel that I'm worthy too. I want to feel that, uh, you know, I'm doing something meaningful. So I'm not yeah. sure was that, uh, you know, a part of the reason that you started your ventures as well. Um, venture I started was because I knew I was a builder and I wanted to build something big and I wanted to, you know, uh, work towards what I wanted to look towards, which is building a, a multiple different companies that are uh, successful, profitable, and make a real impact in, in society, right? That that was a division of job that I've had. Uh, it's like a dream I've had for where I initially come in high school, right? So that's why I started. I knew I had to start a business eventually. Like, it was, it was something that I that I wasn't going to do. So I think, I think, I think, um, but, but what you're saying, I think I understand that it's like you create a vision for your future and you start, start striving towards that for a particular reason to feel purposeful and, and seem like you're part of something. Um, and part of a valuable part of society, right? Like it's one of your needs to feel accepted and belonged, belonging to, to your community. And, um, I think now that is particularly why everybody starts. I and mean, also, there's an um, there's an internal ego aspect which I started to observe, right? And the pride that I started to observe, and I realized that you know, accomplishing things, the feeling pride um, was something that was giving me um, a sense of self. With this stuff, I started feeling, you know, winning a competition, winning a scholarship. You know, started doing that, like, gave me a sense of self, a self-identity. It gives you an identity, right? Mm. Um, so I think that's why you start seeking for an identity for yourself, a good identity. And um, so I think that's why we strive to do a lot of good things, like big, big businesses and things like that. I think, like, because you want to find a good identity for yourself. Uh, it's about creating that self-image that you, you feel safe in. Yeah. Do Do you feel like um, do you feel like that that's the driving force, or is just an, a nece- like a necessary part to be there for you to do something great? I think the I think personally the driving force is the bigger vision and uh, where you wanted to go, and that is just sort of like a supporting pillar for you on why you created it, the the companies. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if you agree. So the driving force versus the vision, I think they both have to have they have to be involved, right? Like I think the vision is our nature. Ego is our nature. Like, we cannot escape our egoistic nature. Like, human beings have been status-driven for years and ages and decades and, like, millions right. of years, right? And it's, like, right. it's not something that we can just kind of one day decide, like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to be um, status-driven anymore. I don't care about status. It's not something that you can do within you. Like, uh, but you can definitely, I think what happens is with meditation, though, is, like, you start to realize that you can actually have fewer wants. Mm. When, you, when you start to meditate, when you start to dig deep, you realize, and this is where wisdom comes, right? And when you mm. start to have a grasp, and have, like when you start to have control over your 
desires that you're um, projecting and you start slowing that down, you start to really have this wisdom fall upon you and you realize, wow, it's not just desires. There's bigger things that will party. This harmony, this harmony of creation, of nature, this interconnectedness, something that, that's observable and that you are with, right? And I think, I think that's why I think meditation is like, it, it also puts a hold and kind of calms you down and on these desires, which are endless, of course. But mm. I think it's also necessary in some way to kind of keep the cycle of things going, right? I'm not against, I'm not against. I'm like, I know it sounds like I'm contradicting myself with these two different concepts of pursuing a, like, a ambitious business versus, uh, but I think you can do both and create this balance. Yeah. I think it's a harmony and you see all the great entrepreneurs like Ray Dalio, um, yeah. you know, Tim Ferriss, they're a huge advocate for meditation because they, 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 they see the same benefit as you see. And I think mm-hmm. it go, goes hand in hand. I want to touch on the ego part because you mentioned, yeah. you know, the ego is born with ourselves and, you know, status is something that we inherently all look for and, and pursue. But, um, Ego is also very toxic. That means it can drive you to do things that's unnecessary. And um, I just want to understand what's your what's your view on ego and when you know how maybe how has meditation helped you to reduce your ego to or to observe it? That's a really good question, by the way. Um, I think ego, like what is ego? Ego is stacking up of things. Okay, like when a child comes into this world. And as it grows and as it moves through, like, let's say, school, it starts to pick things up from external circumstances, right? Like, in school, and people start to, not people, but society, like, world, it's going to kind of give you the, these ideas about running towards things. Like, when you're, when you're a kid, you know, you start chasing, uh, what you just start chasing, um, adrenaline like you're running around playgrounds you're having fun who can have more fun which kid can have more fun right like you're always like competing in a little bit even when you're a child right and that competition that sense of ego that sense of self starts getting stacked up and as the child grows into like school and university and high school it starts to pick up things that that are more related to that environment right every environment has its own um, things that it starts to add on to the child and and when and then work comes and then you start realizing okay i need to do this for my work and and it's 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 a stacking of things that happens throughout your day right and this is the ego it is it is it is the belief that i am something that is in school i am something that is in this work i'm i'm someone that is in this job i am someone so these titles, these labels, when they start coming and attaching onto the child as it goes through life, this is essentially what our ego is, right? And um, and and it's not necessarily toxic. I think we use it in the term when it's toxic, but I think it's all-encompassing. It's in the good and the bad. But I do realize that when there's situations where your ego gets out of hand, like, your desire of your labeling of I am something is projected onto a person. Let's say like mm. I'll just, we'll, we'll, because we've talked about this example of heartbreak, like let's say you're falling in, um, you, you found this person, you felt this attraction towards. Now you realize that in life, I've always been able to get what I've been attracted to. Like, especially if you've been a pampered child and if you've been given everything and you start realizing it and for kids, and for guys specifically, like, you know, when you're, like, rejected from that girl, right? You realize that your dreams that you created from this wanting and desire has been shattered now. So that almost feels like a, a shattering of your own self. Like a part of yourself has been shattered. And because mm-hmm. this is the ego that gets shattered, because the ego always wants to win and stay on the top. doesn't right. want to be the second person. It always wants to be the first. You'll never, you'll never, you'll never see any religion saying that their religion is not best. 
<laughs> and that's also egocentric for those religions to say that too. It is. And the thing is, the human being is egocentric. So, and, and it doesn't want to lose. It doesn't want to be second. It doesn't mm. want to fall behind. It wants to be on the top. That's the, that's the trick of the ego. And I think the toxicity comes when you, the, you start to, um, when you start to let it continue to the point where you have, you have this feeling of, I know this is wrong, but I'm doing it anyway. That's when it's toxic, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's when you feel like, oh, this is something that's out of my control now. So I think that's why meditation is so important. It's like when you can just settle down and have a sense of self that says, I don't have to have so many wants. I'm content, you know? And yeah, it, it's powerful stuff. Uh, like you mentioned, like ego sort of drive us to do great things, to do extraordinary things. But at the yeah. same time, um, it, it's also very stressful. And and how, how do you how do you find a balance? You know, mm -hmm. like you, you want to be calm. You don't want to be go, go, go all the time. But you also want to accomplish great things. So yeah. I guess how, how are you balancing it? See, what I like to do is I like to, I like to do a lot of things that I, I think are I helping other people, like serving mm. the society. Saying this right. sense of self, like it's also egoistical, right? Like you being the bigger person helping let's say a homeless person on the street or something, somebody who's in need, right? Like you're giving them some stuff, some help, some change, some money, or whatever it is, right? But I will want I will, I will recommend you just doing an act of kindness and try to observe how you feel afterwards. It's a different feeling than what you feel when you feel accomplished. It's not the mm. same sense of pride that you feel. It's a sense of natural bliss that comes. And it's, it's different than, than um, the bliss of accomplishing or taking, right? And um, I think that's why I think um, that's what I try to do is that when I try to, try to have too many things that I'm striving towards when I'm working super hard, my calendar is busy. I try to incorporate a lot of service into the parts of my life as well. Because on the weekends when I go to the homeless shelter, soup kitchen to volunteer, you know, I realized that, you know, I could have totally been on the other side of this, this uh, uh, world, right? Like I could have been, I could have been someone who, who's struggling with drugs and who's on the streets. I could have easily been someone like that. But because I'm in a great place of privilege, I'm in a place of uh, good environment and blessed, right? You feel that sense of gratitude and that sense of knowing that, you know, I should be, I should be using the circumstances, the situation that I have that I've been blessed with to do good for people, other people as well. So I think service mm. is something that really brings a lot of balance into my mind. Mm, I, I've, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure all the entrepreneurs they have they're pursuing the sense of accomplishment because i everyone know that feels good to to be accomplished yeah. but what you mentioned there is very interesting the act of kindness what that brings yeah. you is a different type uh, of type. of happiness do, do you mind like explaining it deeper what that feels like and how is it different compared to yeah. sense of accomplishment you know the buddha said the buddha said when you help someone in need you're helping me you know mm. and i thought wow I can help the Buddha by helping other people. Let me try doing that. <laughs> so this is how this is how it started. When you, this was like oh. me in high school. This is me in high school. I was like, okay, wow. Let me start helping people. Then, I'm like, how do I help people? Okay, look. Let's see if I can go to a homeless shelter and see if I can volunteer there. I started volunteering at the homeless shelter every on the weekends, you know. And man, it changed something deeply within me. That's I think compassion and the sense of seeing it. It brings something in you. It's the softness, the gentleness, the sense of sensitivity. This is a different type of sensitivity that you feel towards yourself and the world once you start giving, once you start acts of kindness, doing acts of kindness, right? And um, it's also a skill. I think it's also like a skill that you have to do. Mm. You have to do like over and over again. It's not just the one thing and done. Even though you will feel the benefits on the first time you should do it again and again and again and again. And over time, it becomes more um, deeper. It's like, 
it's almost like a journey you embark on of giving. It's like, but I want, like, you want to know more about what the feeling is. And I think the feeling of giving, the feeling of giving is, is a state of natural bliss. It's, it's the state of natural bliss that arrives. It, you, hadn't, you didn't do anything. It's almost like you didn't have to do anything. But it gives you the sense of self that, wow, I've done something for someone, right? Like, even though you do, you do things for yourself all the time, right? You don't feel the same feeling. Why not? Because you've not done it for other people. You've done it for yourself. It's a selfish thing, right? But when yeah. you flip that, when you flip that, and, 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 and as human beings, we've been wired with negativity a lot. So I think yeah. in, a, in, in, in our day, every, like one day we probably have 10,000 or 100,000 thoughts that are so like negative and self-deprecating and self-doubt. But doing an act of kindness, what happens is when you're doing an act of kindness, you're forced to have one thought which says, I did something good. I did something good for other people. And that thought is so powerful, my friend. And it's like something that it's not just going to make a dent in your day for sure. You know, it's like, and, and it's because you're forced to have that thought. You cannot not have the thought when you do it. Right. Like when you have, when you do the act of kindness, you have to think about this, that, wow, I was in a place of privilege to give something to someone else. It's a thought that crosses your mind without you doing it or not doing it. So within these thoughts of thousands, one positive thought is like a flame. It burns and it burns nice. It burns like a soothing flame throughout the day. Okay. Wow. That that's that's powerful, man. And and how did you? You mentioned you like you started Bill Zero by by renovating the the subways, and you added another layer, which is you know more yeah. contributing positively to the society. Is that um, so? Maybe expanding on that, and and was that connected to the act of kindness? And and you know, is there any sort of connection there? Um, like I even before before I when I incorporated my business, I incorporated it as Bill Zero Contracting. So build zero stems from the thought that today in construction, there's a lot of issues. And number one is inefficient building, right? And the second is construction weight. There's about 2.25 billion tons of waste that is generated from construction in a year. And that is a lot of garbage that is it's it's insane how much trash and garbage that is right and i just want to try and create something that does something for this problem and i said i will start a company that will you know first of all work on buildings and make them efficient because that's the starting point you go to people and try that this is something that can um, you know help improve the world right it's like and also yourself, you start feeling good about yourself because you know you've done the best you can to help um, you know solve this problem of climate change, and you've done your part. So I think um, that feeling of like you know contribution is something that wanted me to start this company. And I know I started with renovations and construction, but at the end of the day, my vision is to go into this um, pivot into this part, which is going to be you know uh focus more on recycling and reusing construction waste creating products that are going to be more uh sustainable and um also i'm looking for for solutions that are going to be low cost solutions for solar panels you know because right now typical solar contract or solar project you know you're looking at about ten thousand will install on your home right and it's quite a big investment for people to kind of embark on so i'm looking for something that is a little bit i'm looking to create something that's going to be even low cost and um, easy, easier to implement and install but it's it's a difficult problem to solve but i, I i'm hopeful that something's going to come for sure um within the next couple of years and, and i'm working on it so it's, it's the, wow are, are so you it's, yeah go ahead did you have the vision like how, how do you want to approach the uh, the solar panel part because i i think it's it's a big transformative way that how energy are are consumed before um yeah uh, like energy energy generation is actually quite uh, advanced right now so you know electricity can be generated 
with you know almost to no cost but what's costing money is the, is the um transportation of the energy building the grid yeah. to transfer yeah. those energy generated from the grid to each household and if we every household will, were to have a solar panel that means mm -hmm. there's no need to build those grids uh, yeah. to transfer these energy that's generated from the plant, we can generate energy on our own and even feed it back to the grid. Um, yeah. So I think that that's very transformative. And I, I wonder how, what, what was your vision and what, what are the steps that you want to take to, to get to that point? So like you said, like, you know, we're in Canada, like in the winter, we don't have the energy generation as much as we do in the summer and it's not enough to support it. So we have to create grid sides. And grid side systems have like, you know, they, they're connected to the grid so that the energy you generate is going to um, is going to be used by your building, but then the access is going to the grid, and you're also receiving energy from the grid when you're deficit uh, when you're in deficit and you need energy. So I think um, I think I think you're right. I mean, it's like individual micro generation is perfect for for the start, and I think. It just has to be a little bit cheaper, even though it is the cheapest you've ever had in human history. But I think it has to be a little bit more cheaper to kind of um, get the the you know average family to um, to kind of embark on it, right? Because you're still looking at about six, seven year payback, five, six, seven year payback period, and right. and I think that's it's really long term for people because most people only live in a house for about eleven in a single house for about eleven, twelve years on average. Yeah. And then they switch homes or something like that, right? Well, um, I think what the beautiful thing about solar is that it's also transferable so like you can sell it to, to the newer owner. Like and it, it increases the value of your property as well. So because you're saving on um, your electricity because you're producing your own. Yeah. So, um, I see. I see a lot of and and you know the crazy thing is that we've had we've had so much of uh, interest in Alberta here um, in the last year and couple of years, and we've had so much more uh, investment in solar energy and big solar farms as well. So we're looking forward to this. Well, what are what are some ways so that we can reduce the cost of solar panels? Like you said, it's very expensive, five to six year payback period. Yeah. What can we do or what can you do to bring bring down the cost? See, I think one thing is like I've seen solutions that exist. Um, I think there's one solution that exists in the in the, uh, in the American market is the, the GAF uh, solar shingles. Now, solar shingles are, are nailable solar shingles. Like you don't, they're not panels that need to be installed by a crew on on your well, on your roof, right? Like you don't. But these are shingles that can be nailed onto your roof, um, and um, easily installed. And they're cheaper. They're a lot cheaper than solar uh, solar panels, per se, because they're just shingles, right? And the thing is, with these shingles, though, they're a little less uh, efficient because they're not as efficient as solar panels are. Um, so I think that's a really, really uh, positive solution and that is already in, uh, in play in the American market. And I think that's like a really good um, idea for low-cost solar uh, energy generation for homeowners. Okay, nice. And, and um, is there anything that's in your you know, pipeline or in your plan that you wish to do yeah. in the future? What are the next steps for you to, to make this happen? Um, see, I'm, also, I'm basically trying to create some sort of DIY, uh, do-it-yourself, um, solution for the homeowner so that you know the oh, average homeowner that is a, that is a, that is a, a handyman like you know he's interested in, in he can do these projects summer projects right like they can jump on their roof and do these installs uh, I'm trying to create something like that that is going to be a DIY solution for the homeowner and uh, hopefully because that's the, well, that's the best way like, to scale up and get it to the people as fast as possible, right? Yeah, I like the little towels and crypt, essentially, and I'm trying to work on. Nice. Yeah. And and have you thought about battery? Because, you know, once you have the um, solar yeah. panel installed, you need a battery to store them and uh, so that you can use it when, when the, even there's no sun or even contribute it back to the grid. That's so are, have you had thought about the batteries? So typically there's an inverter that that you need to invert the 
uh, the DC to AC, right? But the the thing is with batteries, if you just uh, a lot more cost, um, get added onto the to the project. So I'm plus that that uh, you know because we're in like, such a colder environment and we don't have sun till the year like normal countries like other countries that, that I think batteries are less of a option that we should be interested in. We should be more focused on grid type projects. And um, I think that's why I think, um, but of course batteries are like, you know, you can always install a battery to save a little bit of energy for the, for the dark time. Um, but it just like I said, it'll bump up the cost like uh, five to 10,000. So like they're expensive to have batteries and they're really big. So like you'll have like, yeah. a, you'll have to have like a, like a, at least like 10 set 10 by 10 foot space in the, uh, in the furniture room or something. So there's a big battery to, have you heard about the have you heard about what Tesla is doing with the solar roof and their batteries yeah plus being the solar roof they're, they're, they're actually like really good with the, the software and the apps and everything but the, the thing is solar roofs are on hold right now so for some reason and um, yeah like the fact the solar roof right like they're they have like, like I don't know how that even works to be honest. I'm just it just looks really good to me, but I just haven't understood the science, like of how they install these solar roofs. Because it's like it's like they have like glass uh, plates and they're like black, and it's like, it looks really good aesthetically. But um, yeah, I don't know how I don't know how they do it. Like yeah, and I don't think they're nice. doing much. Yeah, they. I think it's it's. They've been putting it at the back burner, and I think it's the tile that they uh, they they structure in a way that looks like a a roof, but it actually yeah. absorbs the solar energy and turn into electricity. But yeah, I think I think I I have a lot of belief in this field because I I believe you know energy independence and and one of the yeah. ways to do that is to generate energy on a on a micro level. Everyone can do that so that we don't have to rely on the inefficient yeah. energy tra- transfer. Um, from building those grids and having a higher cost, because you see the yeah. the Ukrainian and Russian world war, the energy cost again has has gone you know gone to the roof. And yeah. if we're dependent on on countries like Russia to to support us energy, there's going to be have big troubles. So until we have in, energy independence, um, mm-hmm. like we're not free, and and the cost can be up any time. So I think Absolutely. this is a huge step, and I'm 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 grateful that you're building yeah. towards this, and and this is I think is super important, man. Yeah. And and it's crazy how we can just also empower Canadian families individually, but they can take action towards climate change, right? This is a great way for, for people to take action towards, you know, fighting something that they believe in. Because I, I know a lot of people believe in um, doing something for the environment. And, you know, um, and I think solar, uh, solar is a great way for you to start. It's a big way you can make a difference. So, yeah. And I'm excited as well for the transition. Nice man, I, I'm happy for you. And and one last question: Is there any uh, advice or or things that you want to tell um, the younger generation who want to start their business? Um, honestly, the, the only advice I have is like just look at your environment, whatever you have, and start on whatever you can. Just start. That's my advice. I think if you're going to be relentless about starting and working on ideas instead of just thinking about them, you're going to go so much farther and set yourself apart from the rest of your friends or then your, your, your uh, social group. And that's the only way you're going to, you know, if you can, if you can do something that sets you apart. Right. And I tell you this because like I myself have been a believer in this and then just something I'm not a good student, man. I'm I'm a terrible student. But the thing is, I get myself involved in things that set me apart. I just do so much of other things that 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 I I just feel like it sets me apart from the rest of the people that are just doing school. You know, I don't want to be just doing school. That's so boring to me. I'd advise <laughs> I'd advise everybody to start on something that you're deeply passionate about. You want to learn about. You want to um, if you have a thought or this is something I'm passionate about. Just do something. Start. Mm. Just anything. Anything. There's so much of content. There's so much of ideas on YouTube now that you can like learn from and implement. Implementation is really the only advice. Yeah. 
right. Well, thank you, Meg. Um, you know, do do things that you're uncomfortable with. Don't just do school. Um, yeah. You know, expand your your knowledge and horizon experience, and uh, just go for it and just start. Well, thank you, Meg. Uh, you know, you, you I, I learned a lot from you from you know your meditations and your perspective and egos. It really helped me a lot, and and the whole you hopefully um, you know build zero can can you know go big and uh, all the best to you man thank you so much frank i i wish you all the best with all your adventure and um your company that you're working on as well i know you're working uh, uh on ideas can't wait and you're doing great work for the community and bringing people together so um i'm really happy for you and i uh, i hope to see you succeed more in the future so, likewise man all right appreciate thank it you great, so great conversation take care man all right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ideas Can't Wait podcast. If you have taken something away from this episode and really enjoyed our conversation, it will mean the world to me if you can leave a review on wherever you're listening or watching. It will help this podcast to reach more like-minded people like you. Thanks again, and I'll see you in the next one.